This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I'll Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And I have to give you some behind the scenes. I'm kind of laughing right now because we have outlines that we work off of, right? And um, I admitted in a past episode, my S key isn't working (laughs) on my laptop, which is one of the most painful keys to not be working. Right. And instead of fixing it, I've put everything off lately because I've been so busy. I have a lot of interesting workarounds and I can tell by this outline that I was very frustrated <laughs> already. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm sorry. It just cracked me up. Um, I, I found some ways around it, but it's yeah. not been the easiest thing to do. I will say in one of the outlines, uh, you definitely misspelled my name. Because <laughs> <laughs> you start with an S. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and that's the other thing is I said my spell check isn't working. Um <laughs> And I was like, huh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you, you can like see my descent into anger in this outline. Uh, and another thing about this outline is it was originally a Monday mini. I do think it's going to be a shorter one, but every time we say that, it never works out, but we'll see. But I, I was researching it, and I think we could come back and revisit it, honestly. So we're talking about zines. Originally, I was specifically talking about fanzines, but we are going to talk about zines at large in this one. Um, do you have any experience with zines, Samantha? I will say I did not know what zines were until I moved to Atlanta. I think that mm-hmm. was around 2006, 2007. Um, and I always called it zines, which tells <laughs> you how little I knew about it and trying mm-hmm. to understand it because there was a whole like uh, ATL collective group that gets together and does them. And I was like, yes. what is this? It's really fascinating. And then it got really like, 
trendy. Yes. So yeah. I was very scared of it. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to talk about that because they are experiencing a boom right now. I did wow. not realize. Resurging? Are you kidding? It's been 15 yes. years. <laughs> well, it's been longer than that, but they are experiencing a resurgence. I don't have much experience with zines. I I had one nerd one that I just kind of found at a thrift store once. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that one. It was like mostly Star Wars, but a bunch of other stuff. And I just happened to find it. It was really cool. And then uh, Atlanta used to have Dope Girls zine. Yes. Well, see, I get confused with zine and zine too, but I'm going with zines because magazine, I feel like that's what it's got to be, right? right? <laughs> I think you're right. I just really could not grasp it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Dope Girls are still around, but yeah. But not yes. as zines, right? Uh, yeah, I don't think they don't do the zine anymore. Okay. Or at least the last I heard, they had retired it. They might have bought it back, but they are still around. Right. Yes. Very yes. Cool but it was people. very popular. But one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this was I got this inkling that something was up a couple of weeks ago because people started posting fan fiction that they'd written literal decades ago uh, and would say, like, hey, I wrote this in Mm 19-whatever. Here it is. And I was just kind of like, oh, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, I appreciate it. And then, as you know, Mara Jade, who is a Star Wars character from Legends that I'm very, very excited to talk about on fictional women around the world. She started popping up a lot more, and I was like, why are people talking about Mara Jade? Uh, Not that they shouldn't, but it's just kind of like, huh, I wonder if, if there's a reason for this. It turns out there is. There is a movement that is primarily led by women to digitize old fanzines to preserve them, to save them, because uh, otherwise it's just going to be lost. Um, and it's a whole thing. It's really, really interesting. Uh, I also am currently reading one of the best, like I know I've said it before, but there's some fan fiction you read and you're like, yes, this could be published and be better than half the stuff they're putting out, maybe, maybe even more <laughs> than that. And I'm reading one right now that's a result of this and it's so good. That's awesome. <laughs> it's like reading a book. It's so, so good. Ooh. <laughs> but yeah, since we have been on a tech kick lately, I'm always down to talk about fan fiction, and this is happening right now. We thought we would go over it fairly briefly because, honestly, it was a much bigger topic than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, You can see the episodes we did on fan fiction. You can also see the recent-ish mini that we did that was called A Love Letter to Fan Fiction, but was primarily about Archive of Our Own, which is one of the biggest fan fiction sites, uh, which is we're going to talk about in this conversation. Right. Okay, so... Let's talk about this. What are zines? Not zines, Samantha. Not zines. I'm having to repeat this <laughs> myself. Well, mm-hmm. they encompass a lot of things, but here are a couple of key things involved. One is that they're typically self-published or published by an independent small publisher. This has mainly been a way for marginalized folks to exercise their voices more freely outside of mainstream media. So as a part of that, they're usually not published in large numbers and are for a smaller communities and are frequently very niche. Um, And they aren't commercial. There's often a lot of contributions and connections to the zine world, which was what I saw in Atlanta. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, well, if you, if I have a zine and you have a zine, we'll work together and collaborate and contribute to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Yeah. 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 And I always feel like I have to caveat things. Zines aren't commercial. No. But I do think we have seen with the popularity magazines try to 
get in on that, as always happens in capitalism. So I think there could be an argument made that some of them are commercial. Mm -hmm. But, like, at their heart, at their core, they're not commercial. Okay. So a brief history. Depending on how you define zines, because I even wrestled with this, and I don't know too much about them, but I was like, doesn't it go back way further than this? But most people say they go back to the 1930s with science fiction zines. So fans trying to, like, collaborate with short stories and share their fandom with each other. The zine is short for fanzine. That was the original use. And remember, this was before the internet and zines were a way for fans to connect with each other. It was sort of like, it's always interesting, these iterations of technology, because I've heard people who were like one generation before me talk about like old message boards online and that was like the precursor and then the precursor to that is zines. And and so, yeah, it was kind of like a way to connect. Um, they These fans would speculate with each other. They would share theories about their favorite works. Um, they would work together on arts and stories, including fan fiction. <laughs> yes. Uh, but they were also sometimes called per zines. <laughs> Our personal zines, um, which I love. And they were often handmade. Right. That's Again, this is what I know of Atlanta, and I did not know that it had spanned so far back because it was mm-hmm. seemed so niche. And for, again, the ones that I saw in the early 2000s were more about music and art. Yes. So it was a little yes. different, and it was very hip culture. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm old. Stop it. Um, So, uh, yeah, zines saw a surge of growth in the 50s and 60s, again, kind of like what I'm saying, with counterculture movements that were eager to support smaller independent publications and the underground press, and also saw it as a way to connect with others with similar ideas, a space where people have a voice outside of mainstream media. Many designs from this time combined art and politics and activism and writing in experimental and new and eclectic ways, which that's carried on. That's how I knew it, more so than the fanzines. Right. I think you also just said zines, but we're leaving it in because I think it's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, having a day. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's one of my, and we're going to talk about this more, but that's one of the things people keep saying of why zines are so unique is that you don't know what you're going to get in them always. They're like a really unique random, well, not necessarily random, but just a lot of different things that you can't really anticipate until you open it up and look at it. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, 
retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. And to your point, uh, punk music zines really took off in the 1980s, often combining music and politics, and it offered something unique because these zines really captured the whole aesthetic and vibe of a subculture. Uh, And the 90s is when feminist zines like Riot Girl really came onto the scene. And this was a reaction to sexism within these punk music zines and within the writing of punk music. And it went on to inspire so many other zines written by women and girls about feminism, often in conjunction with something very specific, which all coincided with third wave feminism. Here's a quote about it from the Sally Bingham Collection at Duke University's Rubenstein Library. Feminist practice emphasizes the sharing of personal experience as a community-building tool, and zines prove to be the perfect medium for reaching out to young women across the country in order to form the revolution girl style. (laughs) And yeah, 40,000 zines were being published by 1993 in North America, I believe. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So you might be thinking, but wait, I've heard so much about the death of print. (laughs) And in terms of the environment, that might be a good thing. Uh, But zines are still out there and have recently seen some major growth. And much of it is in the arena of intersectional feminism led by more women, queer folks, and people of color. However... Just like with most things, there is still work to be done in terms of inclusivity. One of the big criticisms of the 90s feminist zines was that they were largely done based around middle-class white women. And that is changing, especially with external pressure on the publishing world. But major issues that were compounded by things like the pandemic still remain. So like it was seeing this really great growth in terms of inclusivity and then the pandemic happens. And also, capitalism ruins everything. (laughs) And some big (laughs) magazines are blurring the lines between magazine and zine, especially by copying the aesthetic of things like Riot Girl to try to appear like they are that thing when that's sort of the opposite of what zines are about. And as part of the whole thing behind the popularity of zines amongst women and marginalized folks is that you can talk about feminism or whatever, really, uh, without an ad about plastic surgery or something. (laughs) in your publication, which, you know, if you want it, all for it. But the history of magazines, when it comes to selling women a very specific image of how they should look is not good. 
So there's that. It also gives creators the space to write about other things than women's issues or race issues, which a lot of the writers reported. Like, I'm tired of being asked only to write about this. I want to write about fun things, too. Or, like, not that those can't be fun, but, like, you know. Right. And I know a lot of it was like, I love music of all kinds, and they only asked me to do this specific genre of music, and it's not even what I'm interested in. Like, I have saw that. Like, they would talk about things like that. Again, like, Dope Girls, their whole thing was like, Let's talk about mm-hmm. weed. <laughs> kind of. Well, no, that that wasn't their whole thing, but like bringing it in and like normalizing what that looks like um, in a culture that is so uptight at that point in time. But yeah, it's very interesting to see all of that. And again, what I witnessed was uh, people taking space in creating their own art. And a lot of the zines, not zines, <laughs> not of the zines that I saw at that time interweaved their artwork in the story. So it was really interesting to see. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's something else I've loved about recent fan fiction, which we are going to get to, I promise. But I love when they do that, where they (laughs) have like art interspersed in the story. Like, I love that. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And I'm really going to rue the day if it is Zines and not Zines, Samantha. But it was me, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) It just makes sense to me. I'm pretty sure you're right. I think I was corrected when I first said it, too. (laughs) Okay, well... We'll see. We could have just looked it up, but we're too into it now. Um, (laughs) Nope. Nope. Committed. Here's a quote from a Guardian article written by Ruth Jameson. If modern feminism is multifaceted by nature, there now seems to be an independently published magazine or zine for every one of those faces. There's Sabbat, which explores modern witchcraft through a feminist lens. Typical Girls, which sets out to show there's no such thing. The Women Only Zine Girls Club. Female General Interest Mag Lyra or Lyra. And Private Eye Meets Vogue Satirical Glossy Mushpit. Elsewhere, Ripost. The Smart Magazine for Women, Burnt Roti, which showcases the talent of South Asian women, Galdem, the print version of the popular website for women of color of the same name, and feminist indie mags Lady Beard and Fruitlands are amplifying women's voices, championing female writing, and challenging ideas about what a women's magazine can be. These publications tap into a rich history of female protest and print. Here's a quote within the article. Obviously, there are lots of women in the media, but they rarely control every aspect of a magazine, and it's even rarer that they own it, says Phoebe Lindsay of Fruitlands. Historically, women have taken control of the way they are not represented by publishing on their own terms. Think of Spare Rib and the Riot Girl zines of the 90s. By having our own magazine, we can control and direct every element of our message. The lack of diversity in the media is unbelievably frustrating, says Galdam's opinion editor, Heather Barnett. are changing that by providing a platform where women and non-binary people of color can write about whatever they like. Yeah, so the article continues. The boom in independent magazine publishing has shown that print is not dead. Now, independent women's magazines are setting the standard for a more progressive women's media. They are changing the face of women's magazines and have their sights set on the media as a whole. As Connery and Taylor says, quote, the number of women who are running independent magazines is inspiring. We're everywhere getting done. Uh, It seems print is not only not dead, it has also come back as a woman. Yes. I like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And here's a quote from Women's Media Center. Suze Myers is a graphic designer who, along with five other people, organizes the NYC Feminist Zine Fest, the event that has been happening since 2011 and offers a space to first-timers and old-school zine makers to present their work and exchange ideas. 
The event started with $300 raised on GoFundMe and the purpose of, quote, promoting the self-published work of zinesters of all genders as they explore a variety of feminist topics through print media. The fact that zines are, quote, created without any mediating influence from advertisers is an important aspect of the forms, Meyer said. Um, a zine can be a lot of things, and because of this, its precise definition can be wonderfully, woefully difficult to pin down, she added. Yes, and this is one of the things I love doing this research is there's a lot of collections or events like this for zines, and I yeah. would love to go. I'm pretty sure Atlanta had a zine fest. I'm I'm pretty sure in the early 2000s, they actually did, or mid-2000s, they did have a zine fest, which I was like, yeah. what's happening? That's cool. <laughs> now you know. Now you know. <laughs> uh, many zines are available in digital form. Some argue that they were essentially pre-internet versions of blogs. Others argue that the physical nature is key to what makes a zine a zine, and that's why one of the reasons why, at least, they're experiencing a surge during the time of social media. Like, people want something kind of different where it can be random, it's in your hands, physical. But this brings us to why my fanfiction sense was tingling. <laughs> because the digital bit is not necessarily about not offering a print option. A lot of people are arguing it's about preserving for future generations. So, as discussed in our episode on Archive of Our Own, or AO3, which is one of the largest, I'm pretty sure the largest, uh, fan fiction platforms in existence. We talked about how it's just one piece of the nonprofit, the Organization of Transformative Works. And as part of their mission to preserve older fan fiction, largely published in fanzines, they recently launched the Fanzine Scan Hosting Project in collaboration with Zendom. Um, and basically, the goal is to preserve these physical fan fictions on their site. And I have seen some of the results. That was what was happening. I was like, oh, <laughs> look at this. <laughs> and a handful of my favorite authors have sort of fallen off the map to participate in it. That was another thing I saw where they'd be like, I got to go scan some, what did, what, was, <laughs> what did they say? Cody one zines, I'll be back. And I was like, what? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've seen these fan fiction that are decades old and they're so well written and I'm just like, wow, I understand why you were published and I'm so glad it was saved. I'm so glad I'm reading it right now. And as mentioned before, many times most fan fiction is created by women and other marginalized folks, which means that those folks are largely spearheading this project. Love to see it. Mm -hmm. uh, for years, Zingdom has been scanning and archiving this material, but this new project came in part out of frustration that AO3's technology didn't really allow for uploading scanned fanzines, which I was wondering. I was like, can they do yeah. that? Mm -hmm. uh, Morgan Dawn, who was leading the project, described the difficulty of uploading the scans and that once uploaded, they can't be edited and many errors are often introduced. Don was trying to upload a novel-length fanfic with this process to AO3 in 2012, but got annoyed with it, so just put up a Google Drive link to the PDF. Sounds like something I would do. But <laughs> it was taken down because the link was not fan work, which is weird, isn't right. it? It isn't? It's a link to fan work, but it's not oh, fan work. Actual fan work. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I have experienced this whole hassle of converting a PDF. I hear you. <laughs> yes. She sees you. I do. She hears you. <laughs> yes, I really do. 
This led to a whole discussion about preserving fan history, a lot of this history in zines, and how that fell to the fans, because the fans are the ones making these things. Mm -hmm. Um, Dawn started Zendom to take on this whole thing, uploading and converting docs with permission. I'm going to talk about that more in a second. Um, And only a handful of volunteers... But because of that, um, it just wasn't working like Dawn wanted. Like, the volunteer and the scheduling and the organizing and all this technology, it wasn't working. So, uh, Dawn reached out to Open Doors, a part of the organization of Transformative Works, with the mission. And their their mission is, by the way, um, preserving, quote, those Spanish projects that might otherwise be lost due to lack of time, interest, or resources on the part of the current maintainer uh, to join in. So, Dawn reached out to them. Mission seems like it fits right in with what Zingdom's trying to do. But because of things that we talked about in that fanfiction episode on AO3 of crackdowns on like Tumblr, the shutdown of Yahoo groups where a lot of fanfic was hosted, this process got really, really delayed. So it wasn't until I think 2019 uh, that they started working together. Uh, another thing, like... Okay, first, AO3 is also run by volunteers. And one of the things we talked about in that episode is that their technology is old. Like, it's not super old, but it needs to be updated. But it's just, like, gotten so out of control that they also are struggling with that stuff. Another thing is the tech divide. It's kind of been an issue because a lot of fanzines were written by older people who might not be the most tech-savvy to scan and save their work. Um, And another thing... And this is what I found really fascinating, and I I would love to expand on this, but people often wrote under pen names um, and are hard to find. So Don talked about, like, calling people and having these, you know, maybe never finding them or maybe finding out that they had died or maybe connecting with an old relative who was so thrilled. Like, maybe they had lost that relative who wrote it and was so thrilled to have this kind of piece of, like, oh, I didn't know they wrote that or, or whatever. Because they can't upload them without permission. They have to get the permission first. Uh huh. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Me. 
Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. So with this project, thousands of physical fanzines have been scanned. Most, yeah, were found through Facebook groups or just reaching out to the names they found in the zines. Um, But there are thousands and thousands and thousands more to go. One volunteer has 8,000 Star Trek fanzines alone. Alone. Mm. (laughs) Um, And I want to talk about this. I want to do a bigger episode on this one day because it was so interesting. But the Kirk Spock Fan Fiction Archive was one of the first to be imported to AO3. And it was being run by a fan who'd taken on the task of maintaining an archive of zines in that arena. Notably, this fandom is also the source of a lot of our more modern fanish spaces and understanding, including Slash and the ripple effects that that had in a lot of the women were writing about why they were writing Kirk and Spock as a romantic couple. And they were talking about how they identified with Spock as not belonging anywhere and getting all this like guff for that. And it was just really interesting. Really, really interesting to see the the ripple effects of that. Open Doors is starting to archive Zendom's links and is working with universities and other institutions to make these zines available online to the public, which it hasn't previously been the case. Like some universities have these collections, but you had to be a student and go in person to see them. Um, so that's a piece of it too. From a 2022 article by Jay Castello, and this is a long quote, so bear with me. It means not being forgotten, said Maggie Nowakowska, the co-editor of Geek Elders Speak, an anthology of essays by older women in fandom. Nowakowska herself is 73, and I hope I'm not butchering your name. Um, One reason for preserving and celebrating that history is the fact that so many of the franchises key to fandom history, like Star Trek and Star Wars, have a reputation of being for boys, whereas fanfic and fanzines have traditionally been a space dominated by women. They don't think we ever existed. They don't know that women did all these things, says Nowakowska. Julie Baza, an Australian fanzine author and publisher who volunteers with Open Doors, also emphasizes that preservation isn't just about making sure the best fan fiction is available to readers. It's about preserving the culture and history that got us to where we are now. It's really interesting to get an idea of the bigger picture, she says. What tropes are being written about and why at different times? How have things changed? For instance, fan fiction has often been celebrated for its ability to give writers and readers a chance to explore their gender and sexuality. The terminology has changed with words like lemon, denoting explicit sexual content, and even slash, denoting male-male relationships, falling out of favor. But knowing how and why they were used is important in understanding how same-sex relationships and women's sexualities were even more policed than they are today. At the same time, preservation can also demonstrate the sheer breadth of fan works. Baza shared some scans with me, which include a series of haiku inspired by 80s sci-fi movie Buckaroo Banzai, for instance. (laughs) When you open a fanzine, you'll see cartoons, you'll see essays, you'll see poetry, you'll see snarky little comments, you'll see letters of comment, said Nawakowska. And that's a totally different experience than just reading one story. Which I love. They were kind of talking about that in terms of, you know, like if you go to fanfiction.net, 
uh, which is what they're talking about with the slash. The reason we say slash is because if you said like Kirk and ampersand Spock, that's a friendship. If you say Kirk slash Spock, that is a romantic relationship. But that's <laughs> not everybody uses fanfiction.net anymore. Like that's not how it is necessarily right. on every site. Um, although it is still in my case, that's what I usually see. But I love that. And I love like this idea of when you open a fanzine, it's not like when you click a tag and you know what you're looking for and you know what you're going to get probably, but you could get a haiku, a series of haiku. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing, yes. And cartoons. I, yeah. Wow. You just brought me back. It really, like, I forgot about this. Yeah. It has been it so cool. long. Yeah. It was cool. It's something that I'm like, I love it, but I mm-hmm. would never have the courage to do it because I'm not artistic. Mm-hmm. I think I actually participated in putting, like, a stanza Mm-hmm. in one I, I could be making this up but this seems familiar like it, I'm having a time or maybe I was just around when mm-hmm. people did that I don't remember I remember buying because I loved going to local uh, readings like we have a lot of good writers in Atlanta we know this iHeart has been blessed with some of our writers mm-hmm. uh, recently of fiction including yourself Thank um, you. <laughs> including they, there was a thing called uh, Write Club don't know if they're still going. And I believe our one of our producers, Mike Johns, was a part of that. She mm-hmm. um, was a big founding and beginning of that. And I remember hearing her read uh, there. So shout out to one of the producers of iHeart, in our family rather, um, who began this and seeing different writers go up and give an essay and have a moment. But in that same group, they did zine clubs. And I think they mm-hmm. still do, actually. Now that mm-hmm. you say that, I feel like it's been years since I attended one of those, but I think they still do it. Yeah. Um, and I know Right Club is, I think, a, a national thing, but it's mm-hmm. the Right Club of Atlanta was started right. by them. Um, and I remember them selling independently published books and uh, independent zines. Like now that I'm thinking about it, and I, it's been several years since I've attended one, they still do that. Mm-hmm. And I love that aspect of it because it brings a lot of personality. Um, yeah. to these writings. And yeah, wow. <laughs> You've really thrown me back. And that's, in fact, I just I had to re- look through Twitter because it's not a part of your world. You don't know, which mm-hmm. thank you very much for bringing it back <laughs> into my world. Uh-huh. There's one group called Queer Circle, and I believe they're based out of the UK, that did uh, a thing called A to Zine, which they did in uh, December, which they brought over 100 zines submitted by different people from all over the world. Uh all over the world from the queer community. And I'm like, hell yeah, that's so, mm-hmm. this stuff like that is so amazing. And I forgot the impact of things yeah. like this. Yeah, yeah. This was a really fun one to research because I kind of knew about them, but I didn't know too much. I'm so glad that this project is happening, that this these fanzines are getting preserved because I there was a lot of other, honestly, we talked about this before, Samantha. Sometimes we just want to quote like, entire articles because it's like, okay, yes, this is it. (laughs) But a lot of the older women they interviewed were like, yeah, well, I don't want to, I don't want this to get lost because I think other people will still enjoy it. And it's such a good marker of where the fandom was then. So why should it get lost? Just because, you know, the internet wasn't around then. Right. So I don't know. It it makes me very happy. (laughs) Yeah. It encompasses so many mediums to this Mm -hmm. that it's a phenomenal thing. And then being digitized would be an, an amazing thing to preserve uh, things I would love to see some of the 1930s yes. zines. Uh, I want to know what those are. Someone <laughs> yes. give me a copy. Um, yes. Because they're they're also like aesthetically pleasing because 
for me, I love variety and it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be clean. I need like, I love, it's not chaos, but the variety within it and the yeah. way they bring it together that I'm like, yeah, this is fun. This is uh, an amusing thing that you can see and it's someone's take of whatever they're publishing or whatever yeah. they're trying to send out. So yeah, ha, yeah. good job. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I have been enjoying the fan fiction everybody thinks who <laughs> is doing that and uploading it because I've been like blown away. I legitimately almost texted you and was like, I'm reading a fan fiction <laughs> that is so much better <laughs> than so much of the official stuff out there. Like, that's oh, amazing. wow. And it would have been lost. It would have been lost. And that's just, mm-mm, mm-mm. Um, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Yeah, I don't, I don't want it. I'm, I don't, I'm very happy. Uh, so if anybody listening is participating in this or has any thoughts about this, that would be great. Uh, but yeah, it is pretty beautiful to bring like one topic and see all these different takes on it. All these, I, I don't know. It is really cool. Pretty much anyone can make one. There are tutorials online if you're interested. Uh, if you have made one, oh my goodness, let us know. <laughs> yes. Yes. And if you have any suggestions, because we did go over some in that middle part, but uh, there are a lot right now and it's, a lot is happening. Um, and especially in, yeah, kind of the intersectional feminist realm of zine. So send those our way. Yeah. Maybe we yes. can do that as a book club somehow. That'd be cool. <laughs> I think we could. I think we could. Um, well, in the meantime, if you got any of those suggestions or thoughts about this at all, uh, you can email us at stephaniemomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Most Stuff Podcast or on Instagram at Stuff I've Never Told You. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. Yes. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.